James Harden's going to sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... Well, paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. What happens next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he re-signs a new reality, the players are going to move around and the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole you know, life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 million a year. Some... He probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free I agency. I think he could have got a lot more in the offseason. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to secure it, man. No question. What's going on, party people? I am your host, Stephen Bagel, and this is Sports Ethos' very own The Bird Rights Podcast. With me today, we have a very special guest, Doug Norrie of the Locked On Nets Podcast. Doug, how are you doing today? Yeah, great. Excited to talk to Nets. Uh, interesting season for sure, so uh, looking forward to it. So, yeah, let, let's quickly dive in. I, I'm sure a lot of people know before t- even tuning into this episode a lot of what transpired in the Nets offseason. So I'd be remiss if we don't bring it up. So real quick, I just want to mention the Nets are a luxury tax paying team. And even next year in committed money, they're already over the cap. So they don't have much wiggle room to, you know, really, they'll be pretty locked into the roster is what I'm getting at. Kyrie Irving aside, assuming, you know, the Kevin Durant's trade request saga is over. So, Doug, let's start with that. I mean, when it was a couple of weeks ago at this point, well, Kevin Durant, the Nets even made a statement. Joe Ty made a statement saying Kevin Durant's staying. He's not requesting out anymore. Everything's peaches and cream now. What, what one, have you heard anything? Again, I'm, I'm not saying Doug has any, please don't aggregate this. Doug doesn't have any type of inside sources that he's giving or anything, but what's the opinion around Nets Twitter and the Nets fandom? And what's your opinion of it? I mean, do, is this just a temporary band-aid where they said, look, we don't have the specific trade we want from you yet. Or is this really going to be a happy marriage moving forward with four years left on Kevin Durant steel? Yeah. So my read on the situation and kind of from the beginning, um, which uh, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't win you any points, but at least you can kind of pat yourself on the back was that he was going to stay with the team that the, and the more it had to do with the landscape just really wasn't uh, playing out in the way that he thought it was going to. And it always seemed clear that the nets really weren't exploring uh, too aggressively to trade him. I think they always wanted him back. It was always in their best interest to have him back and unhappy. Kevin Durant is better than what, they were likely to get on whatever this open market was going to be. So I think in the end, what happened was they kind of just had what they, what the meeting, what ended up happening here was they got together and said, look, the deals just aren't there, right? Like if, even if we wanted to trade you, the deals aren't there. We have a team that you could at least come back and like, there's, you know, be among the favorites for the championship. And we just can't trade you in these circumstances. We just signed a contract. So let's at least give it a try. And my guess is that something in that meeting, this is totally just a guess, but it would make total sense, is that like, this doesn't mean we can never explore a trade again. Just right now, it's not happening, right? Like as we lead into this season, as we lead into, as we lead into training camp, there's just not enough teams. There's not enough interest. The deals aren't there. Phoenix doesn't have enough, blah, blah, blah. And maybe come trade deadline, more teams will open up and we'll see where we go. Let's at least play out the first, you know, 40 games of the season together and see how it goes. Maybe we all owe each other that. I My guess is it went something like that. Like, I don't think they were like, you know what? We're all on the same page together. This is awesome. We're all best friends. I think it was, 
it's all in everyone's best interest to give it a try. And if we need to explore something else later, we will, we have time to do that. It's just right now is not the time. The deals, the deals aren't there. The packages aren't good enough. We'd be, it'd be malpractice as a team to accept some of these packages if they were even, you know, real ones. And I, so I guess is that, and I don't know if that answers your question, but that's yeah, like, no, it, it that's where I think it landed. That's, that's my guess is what I think it landed. And that's my speculation as well. The fact that, you know, they, they didn't really have even close. They saw what Rudy Gobert went for in the beginning of the offseason, and now they right. could compare to the Donovan Mitchell package. And it's like they weren't getting anything close to that for Kevin Durant, a top 15 all-time player. And right. still, I don't want to say in his prime, but still a pretty a top five player in the NBA went healthy. Yeah, like what? Well, look, all you have to know is where the Nets um, championship odds went to when they when it was confirmed that he was going to stay with the team. They shot up to like third or fourth, depending on what you're looking at, right? So, I mean, that's all kind of sometimes all you need to know. And you mentioned the Rudy Gobert trade. It's so funny how the market works. And you know about this as much as anybody, but um, I actually think that if that Rudy Gobert package had been presented to the Nets early on in the process, they would have thought about it. Like, mm-hmm. I think that might've been close. Like if you put D'Angelo, let's say you put D'Lo back into that instead of some of the other money. Like if that was some of the money coming back with all those picks, right? I think that would have been something that they actually thought about. I don't think it was offered, but, and I only say that to say that thing reset the markets and screwed up the markets so much too, that, that, Mm -hmm. that the second that happened, you know, then you can't realistically take less. I mean, you can eventually like the, the Mitchell trade starts to reset it a little bit. Like we see it, we see it work, right? Like, but right away to take a trade less than that would have been bonkers, but that trade was so bonkers and such an outlier um, move that it just made it so it made it even harder to trade. And so I, I think, I think that we need like two more trades to kind of get that out of the, out of the way, <laughs> like just to bump it down the list a little bit. The, I think the Mitchell trade started to go there, um, which, you know, they still was a nice package for Utah, but anyway, just to, just to comment on the Gobert thing. Like, I think that, that as much as anything actually had this sort of tangential effect on the whole situation that helped the Nets keep him because yeah. then they could easily go back and say, it's not as good as that deal. So we're not taking it. And no one had that deal. <laughs> so and that was kind of the end of it. No, I, I agree. And uh, Rudy Gobert, I even I even said when that trade happened, like, if I'm in the front office, which, you know, let me speak into existence. Hopefully I will be one day. I'm pissed at Minnesota. Like, yeah. they really, you know, we saw the Anthony Davis trade and the Paul George trade and the James Harden to the Nets trade. And that was the precedent that was set for a superstar. And then all of a sudden, Rudy Gobert goes for four unprotected first um, two guys that were both recently first round picks, one of them being the summer. I, I mean, it just, it really flipped trade value in a way yeah. that when Kevin Durant, again, I, I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but when Kevin Durant requested out, it's like, okay, well, we're not going to get, we want more than that Rudy Gobert package. Yeah. And no, look, there was like, there was no players in the package. I mean, there was, there was no real players, right? There was guys um, and there was salary fodder and Pat Pev's a player and Malik Bees is a player, but like those weren't of the, those weren't the players of the caliber the Nets were going to consider taking back. Like even, even the Mitchell trade, Sexton's not the kind of guy that they're thinking about taking back. Right. So it was going to be still harder. I guess I'm just saying that it just, yeah, like you said, it just, it just, it reconfigures the market so much that now the market actually, I don't think more trades will be built off that one. The market just needs, well, this is what I meant before. The market needs two more trades to get it back to normal <laughs> because that was, that was just not, that just wasn't normal. Yeah. And the other thing that I really think kind of set or set the lack of Kevin Durant market, I would say, is the fact that DeAndre Eden was a free agent. 
I don't know. Again, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in those trade negotiations if DeAndre Aiden would have even been willing to do a sign and trade with Brooklyn. But I believe it's six months he can't be traded for since he signed the deal with well that Phoenix matched. So by the trade deadline, he'll be eligible to be traded. So if all of a sudden, and again, we'll, we'll get into speculative Kevin Durant packages, but all of a sudden, if now DeAndre Aiden could be in the mix and it looks like he took another step forward for Phoenix, mm-hmm. and then you know you have Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, if he doesn't sign an extension, then he's trade eligible. And then Phoenix has all their own picks, minus I believe this year's. So all of a sudden, maybe that's what the Nets are holding out for, something along those lines. And I think you could easily have said that to him and just say, hey, look. And, and what we also, the other thing we know about the NBA is, there's just always a new team that comes about that you just didn't think was going to be there. Right. Cleveland. So like, and, and so, and, and right, what would you say? Cleveland? Yeah. Right. Cleveland like with some, Mitchell, yep. Exactly. Sometimes you just need to give it a little bit of time. Sometimes the teams that you thought were available are no longer there, but wait till the tread deadline. There'll be two teams that are out looking for a new player that you didn't think that would be willing to unload everything right now. Right. Leading into the season post-draft, you know, post-free agency. Sometimes it's not the time for a lot of these teams to think about doing moves like this. Wait till the trade trade deadline when people's um, just uh, you know the things that they want to do uh, are are just are changed like their season has changed whatever it is um, their motivation has changed like whatever there just will be two more teams three more teams that we're not in the discussion now that will be that's just how it works like there's just mm-hmm. the, that's the life cycle of the NBA and I think that's an easy sell to a guy like Durant it's just like hey we just might need to give this like you know six months <laughs> um, and I'm thinking go play it well like Memphis yeah. when you say that sorry yes. I don't mean to cut you off but I'm thinking no, it's that we, like yeah. Memphis where you know, a dark horse that has a crap ton of picks. They have guys like Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain. That That's just like a dark horse that would come to mind for me. Totally. Or just like the Boston thing still there mm-hmm. because they want to, you know, they need to get over the hump or, or Toronto. I, or, I mean, Toronto was kind of mentioned already. Um, you know, and like the Heat, I don't know. There's just, there's just, just teams that the Lakers with AD. Like, I don't know. There's just things that like you don't, mm-hmm. you don't think about now that can start to look more palatable once the season's underway and guys are hurt or they're not hurt or teams are playing well, they're not playing well. It's just like, they, just the, the stuff always changes. So now that we're on the topic of the Kevin Durant trade, another hurdle that was discussed by a lot of front office guys when KD first asked out is the fact that you have Ben Simmons on a max rookie contract and yeah. you can't have, you know, X amount of guys. I believe it's only the, um, the one max guy on a rookie extension deal. So given the fact that Ben Simmons is already that guy, I mean, there was speculation when KD first requested out that, oh, Phoenix and Miami were the destinations, but they wouldn't want Devin Booker or Bam Adebayo in a trade, and they can't do that as long as they have Ben Simmons. Right. So, again, for those of you who don't know, I am a Sixers fan. I am relieved that not only is Ben Simmons not our headache anymore, but the fact, and again, if he does have mental health issues, I'm not one to judge whether he does or not. So, Ben, I apologize if you really are going through something. I don't want to sound inconsiderate, but we were still able to land James Harden for him, even if it was 70% of James Harden, hopefully he's back to form this year. So what's the opinion? I mean, I don't know. Like I just remember Shams reporting towards the end of the playoffs when Ben sat out that game five that he was supposed to play. And Ben was saying, Oh, he's somebody from who was, I'm assuming it was Rich Paul, given that he represents Shams. And he said, oh, Ben still is replaying that game seven Atlanta dunk in his head over and over again that he passed on. He's not mentally there to play. So, I mean, just what I I know a lot of Nets fans are still excited saying, "Okay, look, he's working out. He's in the gym now. I mean, just what's the general consensus about Ben Simmons? I mean, because 
if they do want to get a Devin Booker, and I don't even know if Phoenix would even consider trading Devin Booker to Kevin Durant. You know, I don't think they would. But a, a guy like that who, if they need to bring on a max rookie extension guy in a Kevin Durant trade, would they be willing to move Ben Simmons? I mean, I, I personally don't know if this guy's ever even going to play again. I hope I'm wrong because he's, he's a phenomenal player. I've rooted for him for years, three-time All-Star, All-NBA, All-Defense. Very talented guy, whether he gets a jump shot or not. So for his sake, I absolutely hope that he plays again. But, I mean, just what, what's the general consensus there? Um, okay, so I think it depends who you talk to. I personally am like cautiously neutral on Ben Simmons mm-hmm. at this point. I don't think there's a lot of reason to get really excited for the situation just because of what we've seen happen already. Like there's been, and I'm, this is not this is not even a crazy thing to say. I mean, the guy sat out a whole season and he had back surgery. Like if you put if you took that and just implanted that on any other person in the NBA, you would have concerns, right? Like forget all the story, forget all the background, forget everything else you know about him. I do think the stuff in the playoffs is overblown, um, but just take that situation and put it on any, any other NBA player and you would have massive questions. Like that's just a reality. It's crazy to not be a little concerned with what you're going to get out of a guy like Ben Simmons. Again, he sat out a whole season and he had back surgery. Like, yeah. and those, that's just, those are just, those are non-debatable things. I get there's context around it. So when I say I'm cautiously neutral, I, and I think that a lot of people that cover the team are as well, is that it's easy to get yourself into a lather about how great it can be. And that is obviously the best case scenario is like, go back to defensive player of the year upside, go back to like, sort of just like creating chaos in the defensive end, getting out in the transition. We all know how well he assists three point shooting. We all know that like, if you put four shooters around him, like the teams can be really deadly. Like these are all things we know about Ben Simmons. I I, I don't even need the, with a team like the Nets, like he doesn't even really need to shoot. Like it's the three pointer is not going to develop. Like I don't, Anyone that thinks it's going to is crazy. There's no evidence of that at all. And so, but it doesn't matter. Like you still get a really, really good player if he's playing well. I just have to see it happen for like 10 games before I get really excited. Like it just, there's just only because, like I said, he just sat out a whole year and he had back surgery. There's lots. And we, and every, look, you know, as a Sixer fan, what do you get every year? You get Ben Simmons in the gym videos. Like that is like a those Shooting are threes, those are scheduled yeah. those are scheduled posts. Like those those things are scheduled posts for every offseason. It happens every offseason. This is not again, I'm not a dig on the guy. I want him to be good. No one wants this guy to be good better than me. Like if you know this how this is, but maybe not from a team's perspective. The best thing you can have when you do a, a podcast around a team is for the team to be good. Like it's not rocket science. Like, if your team is good, more people listen to the podcast. Like, so no one wants this guy to be good better, more than, more than I do. I just can't go there with the folks that want to go back and just show you videos of what it was like three years ago or whatever. I, I can't, I really want it to happen, but how, I don't know how you do it with confidence just because we're talking about a situation that doesn't have a lot of parallels and it has a lot of downside that we just really saw. So I want him to be good. I do think he's a perfect fit. I think a hundred percent healthy Ben Simmons is like kind of a perfect fit for guys like Durant and Kyrie and other shooters like Harris and Seth and all these guys. So the, that is, I'm all here for it, but to like, to be put in a bet where he's just going right back to what he was two years ago or three years ago. I, that's just, it's just, I, I personally can't go there. And Hey, and I, but I want, I want to go there because I want him to be good. It's just, I, I just can't, it's just too hard. Like it just, we just have too many at, we have too much evidence that you should at least be at worst or at best cautiously optimistic, Mm -hmm. something like that, rather than all in on this, just being a perfect fit, because I just don't know if the evidence is there yet. 
So then let, let's talk about the third all-star on the Nets, and that's Kyrie Irving. Now, again, I'm a Sixers fan, so nothing would – well, the Celtics imploding would be great, but I, I would enjoy the Nets – I enjoyed watching the Nets get swept in the playoffs, admittedly. Sure. Yeah. Um, Most of the NBA did. It's not, yeah. That wasn't just a Sixer thing. Yeah. But I just – back when I first started podcasting, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving first had signed with the Nets. I was big on it. I said, I don't know how anybody's going to beat this team. Like, they're so good. Like, they're the title favorites. And then my fiance, she, she knows ball well. She was like, I don't know, a locker room led by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving could be toxic. And I'm like, no, you're mm-hmm. right. There's definitely downside. But now you have a locker room of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons. Three guys, I mean, Kevin Durant, dating back to his Golden State days, said, I'm not a leader. That's not who I am. Kyrie Irving, we don't even need to get into. He's a model for other reasons, but, or at least he thinks he is. But Kyrie Irving ultimately sat out the season, not for the betterment of the team, for, well, sat out most of the season, led to Kevin Durant requesting out because they don't want to sign Kyrie to a long-term extension as a result of it because of how unpredictable he is. And again, we just talked about Ben Simmons. He's a huge question mark at this point. So uh, when I'm doing my projections of, you know, how good a team's going to be championship odds, everything like that. You need to factor in the fact that that locker room is led by those three who are three big question marks at this point. So I, I, I don't get me wrong. There's a lot to be excited about the Nets. I think there's equally as much excited to be about the Nets as there is for, let's say, the Sixers. But I just think the downside and them coming off a seven seed where I know Kyrie and KD both missed time, Ben Simmons didn't play, Harden ended up being traded. I, I understand that. I guess I'm trying to segue into the fact that is that downside concerning? And where does that leave a guy like Steve Nash? I mean, is he going to make it through the season with that kind of downside? All right. So, yeah, I mean, the Kyrie thing is just another one. The Nets are chock full of guys that are really sometimes hard to talk about because you almost have to talk about them in two different realms. And like, and I don't mean the realms that, Kyrie tweets about like the ancestral or whatever, like that he yeah. tweeted about today. But like, I mean, like just like different ideas around, you know, what the reality of the situation is. I do feel I'm not a Kyrie defender. I defend Kyrie on certain avenues and he's tough to defend than other ones. Like what? So I don't really want to go too far down that, but the, where it becomes hard, I do think sometimes the stuff that happens off the court does become a little overblown to the point where folks like sort of underrate what actually happens on the court, which actually for these guys matters very little. Like, I don't think they really care. I think sometimes they like being, they like pushing buttons. And I think it's pretty clear that Katie and Kyrie are like this, right? Like they like being, they like pushing back in just different ways. Katie does it just very specifically. Like if you tweet about him, he will tweet back at you, you know, and call you out on it. Kyrie does it where, like you said, he kind of makes himself into like a martyr or he just tries to reframe the conversation around something non-basketball related or kind of misses the point a lot. Like, I think that happens with him a lot. (laughs) Um, But what it doesn't really affect though, is like when they do play together, the basketball the numbers are just like clear as day. That's like awesome. Yep. <laughs> like, like I know they got swept by the Celtics. Um, I actually think it was like a lot less about them and kind of more about everybody else on the team. Like every the team was decimated by injuries. They never got the guy they needed back from the Harden trade. Harris wasn't playing. Like it was the, the rest of the off season that Marks had put together for that team. Like just weren't a lot of matches for what they needed to like that. There were no three and D guys at that point. Like there was just, they just had a lot of other problems. The problems really weren't, 
on the court, Katie and Kyrie related. Like when those two guys played last year, 500 minutes together, had a little bit more. Their offensive rating was 125, like mm-hmm. defensive 111, like a plus 14 when they play together. When they play on the court, it's the math is solved. <laughs> like there's no, there's no, that's it. Like, and if you go back previous years, like when they had Harden two, it was just otherworldly offense. Like, I do sometimes think the stuff they do off the court, whether, you know, how they interact with fans, how they interact with the media, stuff that's happened that's been non basketball related and sometimes like out of their control a little bit, like, does I think sometimes cloud the, what has actually happened on the court? They invite it. So I'm not, I'm, this is not me apologizing for them. <laughs> like, they invite a lot of this. This is all this to say is I am bullish on them these guys playing together as a really functional unit because when it's happened it's been really really good you have to be cautiously optimistic about it because there's been too many examples where it hasn't happened injury vaccine mandates just sitting out you know all this other stuff there's been a lot of this other contextual layers that have gotten in the way i guess i want to be i want to be optimistic that Sometimes you can just have bad luck around that stuff too. And maybe this is the year that none of that stuff crops up. That might be me sounding like harebrained. But I, I do believe that a lot of this stuff has other context and that when they're on the court together, the numbers are so freaking positive about what they can do as basketball players that I, I want to hope that that wins out. Where that lands Nash, I don't know. I mean, does that answer your question? I, like, no, I know I kind of went, on for, I went because... on for a little bit with that, but I, I do sometimes think, and I'm guilty of it too, because I think sometimes like Kyrie will tweet something. I'm like, oh my God, what are you talking about? Like, like come on. <laughs> right. But then I have to remember, it's like, this has nothing to do with basketball, <laughs> right? This is just like no, a, the a line of thinking that I don't think there. about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So Kyrie, just real quick, I want to talk about his free agency. I mean, yep. is he going to resign? I mean, what, what what's your opinion? Again, I know you're... Not like Sean Marks, obviously. So he he's the one to ask that, too. But um, I mean, I just had Trevor Lanong for from the Lakers Nation podcast last week, and on our Lakers episode, we talked about the Lakers going to have near a max slot that Kyrie fits very nicely into. And there's been speculation that Kyrie almost declined this year's player option to sign the taxpayer mid-level exception with the Lakers. So the fact that he'd be willing to take less than a max is conceivable if there's no other offers there. Personally, I think Kyrie Irving is going to rehabilitate his value this year because he wants to get another payday. Agreed. So for now, that's why I think Kevin Durant's sticking around as long as Kyrie Irving's there. But beyond this year is when, and again, maybe Ben Simmons could be the version of Draymond Green. As as we just said, the talent's there. It's just, there's a lot of question marks that are going to have to be answered in the next, let's say, nine months with this team. I actually think that like with the Kyrie situation, in some ways, I think this is going to be an easy decision in the end. And Mm -hmm. I can kind of explain what I mean. It's either going to be, it goes so well that it's like, seems very obvious that you can talk yourself into a leather long-term deal with Kyrie, right? Mm -hmm. Like this all gels, it all comes together. This trio looks great. Or they shipped Simmons out for somebody else or like it, it all looks. And, the, and that's like really, really punch above even their already high weight. And then it's like, of course, we'll resign Kyrie. Like, look how because the talent is crazy. Like if you watch him on an everyday basis, you really there's very few players like him. He's so unbelievable. He's one of the best ever. Like when he's playing, I'm not that's not hyperbole. His handle, his finishing around the rim, how he can finish among over bigger guys, what he can do, you know, just on offense is 
there's very, very few players in the NBA that can, in the history, can do what he does. So there's a world where it kind of all clicks. The Nets don't even have to win a championship. It just looks really good, right? Like they make yeah. a deep playoff run. Maybe they take another team seven or something like that. Like maybe similar, honestly, to what happened two years before where they lost to, in seven to Milwaukee, right? Yeah. Um, even something like that where you can really start believing in the mix. It's either that, So it's either that and then you're like, oh, duh, well, of course we'll bring Kyrie back because like, look how close we got. We can get there. Or it goes so bad <laughs> that it's so obvious that they shouldn't bring him back. Like, I don't actually think there's going to be a middle ground with those two things. I think that it's either blow up central and it's so obvious that they just can't bring him back because something else happens. They just underperformed, whatever. Like, I don't even can't even make this stuff up with the Nets over the last couple of years. And it'll just be obvious. Like, hey, we're not going to bring him back. Or it's the other thing. And I actually think in that way. I kind of do think in the end, it's going to be easy for the Nets because it'll just be results based. Yeah. <laughs> it'll just be like, it'll be, and, and it's, and, and the, really the results are two things. Like if they're in the playing game again and they get swept out of the first round, of course, don't, why would you resign them? Like you wouldn't do it again. Right. But mm -hmm. if you make a nice run and you can kind of see that you're knocking on the door or you win the championship or something like that, then you, of course you resign them. So I think in the end, it'll be easy for the Nets and it'll be, I think it'll be easy for Kyrie. And I think that like everyone will kind of know what it is. And I just think in the end, it'll be obvious. But those obvious, but those obvious decisions sit so far apart from each other on the graph that it, it's going to be a like fascinating to unfold because it's either great or it's terrible. <laughs> and I think there's I, if with the Nets no actually middle, for this year saying. there's no there's no real in between. I don't really see it as because actually even the in between is terrible. Like even if they fall in the in between, like a seventh or eighth seed again, or everyone's hurt again, or again like there's problems. That is also terrible and you wouldn't do it again. So I just think it's going to be, I just think it's going to be easy in the end to, to know what the decision is. Yeah. And so again, as I said, I, I think Kevin Durant will, I don't know if he's going to be traded by the deadline, but I think as long as Kyrie Irving there, they wanted to play together. I think the Nets honestly have given KD everything he wanted. He wanted to partner up with Kyrie. They brought them both in. They paid him when he had a torn Achilles. They brought in James Harden a year later. They, I'm, it's just, they catered every, they hired the coach that he wanted. So again, as long as Kyrie's there, I think KD will be fine, but let, let's bring up the KD trade scenarios again. Yep. Are you okay with, I know it's very difficult to do and the Nets have been in this position before where they traded all their own picks and swaps and everything. And they really didn't have control of their own draft. Obviously that's back when they traded for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and really push all the chips in. They're in a similar situation now if KD says, you know what, this isn't tenable anymore, I want out. So what I don't understand is, one, the Nets, th the same day KD requested out, I think 10 minutes before Shams tweeted KD requested out, Shams also tweeted, oh, Royce O'Neal is going to Brooklyn for first-round pick. Yeah. If KD didn't request out in those 10 minutes. He didn't say, oh, Royce O'Neal's here, I'm leaving. It's not. It, they knew that he requested out. So why would you trade a first-round pick when I get it, you want to compete, you have Kevin Durant, who you could get a massive haul for, but I saw that massive haul is going to include a lot of picks. And it's very difficult to rebuild when you don't have your own. But what I think a lot of Nets fans are missing out on is the fact that the Nets do have a swap with Houston. So sure, they can't get number one if they fall number one for Victor Wembayama, Scoot Henderson, whoever it may be, that will go to Houston. But let's say Houston does get number two, you still get the second pick in the draft. So you can't do like a quasi-rebuild as long as Houston isn't competitive either. And same thing at 25, you have that swap. Houston's just top 10 protected, which at that point, Houston could be a borderline 
lottery team, well, maybe you could still get the 12th pick or the 14th or 15th pick in the draft. So I don't personally think it, let, let's talk about the Phoenix offer for a second. If it's a Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Aiden and Cam Johnson with every pick and every swap you can do for Kevin Durant, I don't think that's the worst thing for them. I, I really don't because I, I think the later they do it, the worse it gets because then the swap isn't as valuable. But yeah, I th- I do think okay. So I do there. So there was a scenario. So I, one thing we talked about this offseason was like the Nets had a chance for a one year mini tank. It was like this year. It was for that. It was yeah. for that reason where they could tank this year, but that would really be it. Like because because of, of the swaps. Like because they could never tank below Houston. You'd always have to know. You'd always have to trust that they were going to stink along with you, right? And they don't have too much going out from there. But they had one chance at it this year if they wanted exactly. to. It was clear they didn't want to, um, and which I'm also fine with, right? But um, but they, they, that was like the one chance because after this, you're just going to have any pick you take back, like you said, you're going to have to rely on that team being bad further down the line. I would be concerned um, with a with a Phoenix package. I don't like I don't like that package. But here's the thing: I didn't really like any Durant package. Yeah. <laughs> like when you trade Durant back, you're always trading the best player. That's always the worst position to be in. Uh, with Phoenix, if they got, they'd have to get Aiton back. Even with Booker, like out into the future, that team's really probably never going to be terrible, <laughs> right? So like I always have to question how good how good those draft picks would ever be. Um, so those those packages really never entice me because, you know what are you getting? You're getting DeAndre Ayton, who we just saw if he's the third best player on a championship team, the team doesn't win the championship, right? They have multiple examples of that. Um, uh, Maybe he makes a bunch of strides and and he gets better. Bridges is a nice player. Uh, He's not, he cannot be the centerpiece of a trade for Kevin Durant. So like, I get it. It's not a knock on Kevin Bridge, uh, Mikhail Bridges, like few people can. I, I don't, I don't really don't want part of any part of that situation. Maybe you think like the Sarver thing is such a disaster that like, they're going to just going to be terrible and people are going to walk and maybe Durant doesn't want to be there anymore. Cause the ownership situation is such a mess <laughs> like that, that I'm here for. But um, the, in terms of just like what Phoenix can offer, I don't really have it. I think any time that you're going to take the nets, like this, is the other thing like, with the, where the net situation is with their own traffics, you have to know a hundred percent, Whoever, if you're taking a picks heavy package back for Kevin Durant, you have to be a hundred percent sure that team is going to suck. Like in in three years, like you have to be positive. Mm-hmm. Like you have to like Durant's leaving and everyone else is going to leave with him. Like you have to know that because otherwise the Nets can't tank. Like they have to be good from here on out. Like they have to be a playoff team. Well, okay, let me say they don't have to be. There's no point in tanking. Yep. <laughs> like they don't they don't control they don't their, have picks their own picks. Yep. Exactly. So there's no point. There's no point. Or or, or you just hope. Because either you're just making Houston better or you're ho- hoping Houston's worse than you. Like, th- that's your hope for the next like three or four years. And so, I that's why, and that's why the Nets always stood firm on the pick on the, the needing a, an all star back is because they just knew they're like, we have to be competitive, we have to be competitive going forward. And even like, e- even with let's say they kept Kyrie and Simmons, like that team's probably just good enough to not not ever win, but not get great picks anyway. It's like they're just in such a weird spot when it comes to the Durant thing. And so, any any package really just can't be built around picks. It has to be built around players. And that's always going to be tough because a lot of teams aren't going to want to give it up. And just to go back to you saying, I, I don't love that Phoenix deal because you're just getting two players that are good and not great. Uh, I think the best package out there would be Golden State. Uh, ironically yep. enough, Kevin Durant coming back to Golden State. And I believe it was Steph Curry did say that they internally thought about the possibility of bringing KD back. I mean, if you could get a package of, let's say, Andrew Wiggins, who he was an all-star this year. He might have not deserved it, but he was a hell of a player in the finals. 
in addition to like Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, plus picks, sure, you're, you're not getting that exact all-star back, but you're getting so many bites at the apple of young talent and picks, then at that point, maybe, I mean, I, I don't see, the only one who's really going to give an all-star back is Boston. And the yep. issue with Boston is that Jalen Brown only has a year left on his deal after this year. So if you do it at the deadline, you're trading for a year and a half of Jalen Brown with uncertainty whether he resigns or not. So it, that, that's a tricky situation that just Brooklyn's in in general. Yeah, it's, it's not good. This is, why the, this is why he's still on the team. Like all these examples are why he's still – we, we, all these iterations of trades are why, exactly why Durant is still on the team because every time you walk through the thought experiment, it ends with – the other team has to give up what they probably think is too much and the nets don't get enough back because their situation, they're not like most times when this happens, you know, when you think back on the AD trade, for instance, right. Um, I mean, to some degree, Minnesota, I guess they shipped off Butler for like not that much of the time, but um, like, but often with these situations, you're not, it's so clear what your team is going to be. You want to be, be bad for a year or two, right? Like the, they shipped off AD and they got Zion, right? Like it's just, this is, these are the, that's the hope that when you do these things that you're going to, you're going to luck box into a really high pick. Then that's just not going to happen for the nets because they don't have their own picks. Like you can't do this. If you have your own picks, you tank. If you don't have your own picks, you can't tank. So going through all these situations is just where you end up landing. And it just ends up being so, so tricky. I do think, like I said, I go back to the game. I do think it'll be, I think a team will talk themselves more into it during the season because they'll look and say, Hey, we got a chance. Like I, I, in some ways I wish like Dallas had more, had more shots to fire here. They don't really have it in them because like that would be a team that would make sense. They can't do it. They don't have enough. They don't have enough. But like, if you paired them with Luca like that, but just think about situations like that, where a team could start talking themselves into it after a hot start or after just like one of their guys makes a leap and you weren't sure you didn't think it was going to happen. I don't know all the examples here, but I just think one of those situations will come up if the nets are bad, if the nets aren't bad, no one's going to talk about it again. Like if the nets come out and just, you know, are 10, 15 games above 500 at the trade deadline or whatever it is, we're not, no one's going to be talking about trading Kevin Durant. This is where these situations end up. There's just almost no middle ground. Yeah, and you you mentioned, you know, Jimmy Butler when he left Minnesota and wanted out, Anthony Davis when he went out of New Orleans. The difference with those guys is they only had one year left on their deal. Yeah. So these teams said, shit, we're going to we're gonna have to trade them. Like, or they're going to walk for nothing. Right, or, or we have nothing. Like, Kevin this Durant thing. has, like, yeah, they, four years left. They have all the team. time. They have all the time to just keep saying it's cool. Like, you want to sit out, sit out. Like, you're here for four more years. It's just, it's just those, those aren't comps. Those are not comparable situations to what Durant – which is what we screamed from the very beginning. I was like, don't compare this to the AD situation. It's not the same. It's just not the same situation. Like, and no one wanted to hear it at the time, but it was just true. It's like, it's a different age. There's more years. The incentives are all different. Like don't use the AD thing as a, as a comparison or even Kawhi to some degree. Kawhi like, was the same um, issue. He Yeah. Like it was like, yeah. these are not comparable situations to what you have with Kevin Durant. All right, guys, I need to pause the show for one moment because it's September, and that means one thing. It's fantasy basketball season at Sports Ethos. This is also the only time of year, all year, we sell anything at our host site. And not only will it win, not only will it win you your fantasy leagues, but it's also critical for our continued growth. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab a premium subscription or draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more features and go dominate your fantasy basketball or any fantasy sports leagues again at sportsethos.com. So Doug, I made basically a list of 
trade targets. Not necessarily Kevin Durant trade targets, just in general guys I think could be on the move that I think would fit Brooklyn pretty well. Yep. The, fir- the first one I have is Clint Capella of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, obviously, you know, Nick Claxton was signed to be the, um, the starting five there. But I, I think Onyeko Kongu has that Bam Adebayo syndrome where once he trade the starter, he's going to take that huge leap once he begets, gets those consistent minutes. Um, so I, I think Clint Capella, even though they, maybe not because they just traded for DeJounte Murray, so maybe there'll be a little hesitance to trade the starting center. But a, a guy like him, I also have Nikola Vucevic on this list. I know they're very different style of players, but I mean, if there's a glaring hole in the Nets, I actually do like Nick Claxton a lot. I'm the proponent that if you're going to have a starting center and not play small ball or anything like that, which isn't really feasible 48 minutes a game anyway, right. but you know, wing depth is the most important thing in the NBA nowadays. So wings, guards, and then centers in that hierarchy. So uh, I do like Nick Claxton for a switchable five that doesn't make too much money. Uh, I think he's adequate. I think he's fine. But would a guy like that, a Clint Capella or Nikola Lucevic, let's say a Joe Harris would have to go now that they have Seth Curry, so he's a little bit more expendable. I know you probably like having both of them, given that, you know, that kind of compensates for when Ben Simmons does come back to the courts, you know, having elite shooters around him. So, I mean, what's your opinion? Do you like a guy like that, or do you think you're best off just rolling the Claxton and basically running it with the team you have? Yeah, so it's clear the Nets need a center um, in some form or fashion. I, I'm a fan of Claxton also. Um, I'm also with you that, you know, you can't, like the part where you run small ball lineups to for the whole regular season isn't feasible. It's just too much wear and tear on whoever gets stuck into the dunker spot during games. Like you just, this is why centers play so much during the, during the regular season. It's just because of like, we call it innings eaters. Like they just, mm, exactly. they need to be out there. They need to be out there to take the pounding. And then when we get to the real games, they can not, they can feel free not to play except like for a few of them. Right. But the nets don't have a, even a ton of innings eaters on the court right now. Claxton sort of it. Dayron sharp. People want him to be, but I'm not sure it's totally there. I will say if they were to address this, Capella would not be a guy that I would probably target simply because you really with him, you need, I mean, if Harden was still on the team, I would entertain it, <laughs> but um, like, but him not being on the team, like him not being able to run that kind of pick and roll action, like him not being able to like, they don't really have like, like a pick and dive kind of guy that they can run actions with Capella really well. Like a guy, even a guy like Trey, like they don't have a guy like that on the team. Kyrie's not the guy. Durant's not the guy. So that would not be a guy that I'd really want to. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just keep, I'd rather just play Claxton those minutes and live with the things that Claxton does a little better and not with the stuff that he does worse than Capella. The Vooch thing's interesting because at least like he can stretch the court a little bit. Um, he has his own issues come playoff time. And I think that like you, a trade like that for a center probably has to be predicated on the player can at least play a decent amount in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like not, maybe not close every game, but if you're going to be giving up assets for guys who might be close to closing, like, like Harris is definitely a guy who can close playoff games. Uh, I'm not sure about Seth. Uh, he's probably a little small, but I mean, it depends on who the rest of the guys are. Right. Um, but the, 
I think in those situations, you have to be really confident that the player, like I thought you were going to say Miles Turner, because that's who everyone's. I do have him but, on uh, this list, so you could talk <laughs> yeah. about him. <laughs> right, right. So, like, he's a guy that it's clear, it's also clear why Miles Turner ends up in every trade discussion because every team could kind of use a guy like, like this. Like B and D Senna, who could do <laughs> exactly. exactly like elite D, elite, like around rim, elite rim protection, can shoot threes, like, it's not going to get completely annihilated on a switch, like, the stuff mm-hmm. like that. But there's a reason he gets mentioned in every trade request is because, or every trade thing is because, oh, he'd look good in the Lakers. He look good in that. He look good anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so, and that's going to probably drive the price too high. But at least with Turner, assuming he's healthy, I mean, I think he kind of that Pacers got a little screwed last season with his injury timing. I think I actually think he probably would have been traded. I'm pretty sure he got injured before the trade deadline, yeah. which mm-hmm. right, which made it so almost impossible at that point. Um, I and they're clearly wanting to tank also. But I think the price is going to end up being too high in him because he fits every scheme, basically. And so, um, so anyway, I think my long answer is of that group, Turner would be the highest because I. But I think that's easy to say. Everyone would want him. I would not want Capella because I think the redundancy between just like lane clogging or whatever they don't do well would be a real problem with Simmons, and it's just not. I don't think the juice would be worth the squeeze in terms of what you get from him on defense, and the Vooch thing. It would be they be amazing on offense. He has his own defensive problems. Um, maybe you think you make up for it enough with the other guys, but you know, it's, I, I do appreciate you throwing out guys like this because oftentimes the only guy is miles Turner. And it's like, yeah, duh, of course, everyone wants miles Turner. <laughs> like it is, but, but there's only one of them. Right. And so who are the other players? And that list is actually harder, harder to find. So I, yeah, anyway, I don't know if you have more guys, but that's kind of how I think about each of those players. The only other center I have on this list was having a reunion with Brooke Lopez. And oh, I, I had Brooke Lopez initially going to the Nets in a trade for Joe Harris in yeah. my mock off season. I do for sports ethos every year. And I actually believe that's how you and I got connected on Twitter was I, I had one of the um, Nets ethos guys, Cody Mallory, Mallory yeah. um, tweet out my mock, my Nets roster. And it got a lot of pushback. Like, Oh, we don't want Brooke back. I'm surprised because like, I think he would be a decent fit. I mean, yes, he's older. He just had a major back surgery. And as we just talked about Simmons, that's not a good thing. I didn't think he was even going to play last year. But like that 3 and D archetype guy center. So again, yeah, we- like, you know, that's, and I, I forgot. I know it's funny. I forgot we had that. You're right. Like that was, cause I, I was, I was thinking, well, cause like, it's not like Joe Harris is just like this guy that you can totally count on. The guy just had two ankle surgeries. So it's like, it's not like, you know, cause the first one didn't take, which is not the thing you ever want to hear. It's like, he had one surgery and it's like, whoop, that didn't go the way we wanted it to. So we need to do it again. Exactly. That's about the last thing you want to hear. When Especially when the guy needs to move off ball so much. To exactly. Get, and like, to I'm a huge Joe Harris fan. I like, it actually it's funny. Cause like, Nets fans, among Nets folks, Joe Harris is a super polarizing figure because fa- there's a group of fans that hate his guts because they think he's not clutch or something silly. Um, I like we've uh, the biggest Joe Harris defenders. Like he's exactly the kind of guy that this team would every team would really want, like an elite three point shooter who's just big enough to not to get totally murdered, um, having to guard threes um, and maybe sometimes a little bigger. He's not a great defender by any means, but you can play him in crunch time. Um, but the Lopez thing does. That would be interesting. I mean, it'd be like a more drop than you'd probably want to see, but he shoots the three well enough that you could get by with it. He was basically closing for, was he closing last year for uh, the Bucks? I'm pretty sure he was. Um, but the, if but not, then like, he did when they won the championship. So either way, and that, right. we're not that far removed. 
and when you have Giannis, like it doesn't matter as much too because yeah. you can like he's he's your center anyway, and he can just play all the center minutes if they need to in the playoffs. And so, yeah, no, I find that one to be interesting. Um, and I can see why Nets fans wouldn't want to do it, but that would be a complimentary fit. And I know that sometimes we just talked about this the other day. I know sometimes people don't want to trade to guy to teams who you think you're going to compete against, right? Like, oh, we're going to have to see them later. But I don't think actually GMs care as much about that no. often because the math is so easy. Like there's only 30, te- you only have 29 teams to trade with. If you don't want to trade with one of them because of some other thing, then you're just doing yourself a disservice. So I actually don't think smart GMs, if the deal is good, care where the player is going as much as who they're getting back. So I actually don't think the either side, I think both sides could talk themselves into something like that. And it wouldn't be because, oh, well, what if you had to face Milwaukee? Like they don't care about, there's not enough teams. If there was infinity teams, then maybe you wouldn't want to trade with someone you might play, but that's just not the case. There's just not And the Nets backs. and Sixers, James Harden for Ben Simmons swaps. A perfect exactly. Example. Right. We just saw it. We just saw it happen. It's like, they don't care. They're like, oh, they're down the turnpike from you. Who cares? It doesn't matter. We think we're getting the better side of it or whatever it is. The, the geography or the future landscape of the playoffs or rivalries or whatever people want to talk themselves into is just not how GMs think. Because if they thought like that, they wouldn't be GMs. They would not have ascended to the highest decision-making mm-hmm. realm that you can get if they were hampered by illogical statements like, oh, we don't want to do it with the Sixers because we might see them later. They just don't care about that. Yeah. Okay, the next house on my list is a few Hornets guys. I have Gordon Hayward and I have Kelly Oubre. I I think the Hornets without Miles Bridges, and again, that's a topic for another day. Um, I think they're going to be pretty bad. Outside of the mellow ball, Gordon Hayward, they're pretty good when Gordon Hayward's on the court, but he's only playing maybe maxing out 50 games a year these days. So I think something along the lines of if they could do like a Joe Harris and a Patty Mills for Gordon Hayward, I don't hate that for them, for the Nets. Oh, yeah. I mean, like in terms of like length and size and you just at this point need to get a little lucky with injuries around a guy. Like Hayward would be a good ad. Like the, the the Hornets were. I mean, I'm pretty sure you did not give me this list ahead of time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. Why? Yeah, I'm sorry. Pos- no, no, it's all good. It's all good because I um the I'm only saying that to so people know why I'm gonna go fishing for this the stat real fast. Um the yeah so they were uh, they were about neutral last year with him on this court. I could I could have sworn they were just like way better when he played. I could have sworn um, that too. Yeah, no, they they were uh they were neutral. Either way, I would still say <laughs> that was gonna be my point, but I'll still I'll forge ahead without it. The he's the kind of guy that would kind of fit a little bit of what they wanted to do. They can put the ball in his hands. He actually can run actions that would be able to connect the nets like desperately need sometimes a connector that can connect forms of their offense between Kyrie and Katie, who are not really that guy. They're kind of like kind of catch it and cook kind of guys more. And they, that's why they worked so well with Harden because Harden mm-hmm. was the connection ended up being the connection piece. I think the hope is that Simmons is like that. Hayward is kind of like this is like, doesn't need the ball all the time. Can, run off ball actions can run the ball can run actions with him with other with other guys where he does not need to be like the final one in the mismatch right like and so yeah no i like that one a lot i'm totally with you by the way on the hornets piece i think that they're going to be pretty bad i actually i think they're going to be sneaky bad i actually like him a lot for this is like not off topic but like it's just sports i like him a lot for a most improved player this year just because his stats are should be ridiculous Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they, they might be they might be bad but his stats could be insane because they don't have as many other guys. Um, so anyway, that's just a not Nets related thing. Um, you know, like the guys like that fit the mold for me. Um, I don't know if they would, if the Hornets would be incentivized to do it on the package that you mentioned getting back, 
although shooters around LaMelo usually would probably look pretty good. Um, and those guys fit the bill. I think that's, they're probably headed toward more of a rebuild than we're giving them credit for or not credit Definitely. for. And I'm not sure the Nets have a great package to send back to a, just a rebuilding team, which is why, which is what complicates the thing with the Pacers too, right? Which is why, which is where it's different with the Bucks, which is why I like that Lopez thing. It's like, hey, the incentives yeah. are a little more re- aligned here. The Nets don't, the Nets did their deal for a team that's tanking already mm-hmm. with the aforementioned Rockets. Like they, don't have anything left in that bag. And that's why I get a little worried about these bad teams, because I think the nets can be outbid. If, if the other team is incentivized to still be bad, like the nets don't have a ton of stuff to send out the teams that are headed toward the tank because they already did that once. They have a 2028 first. I believe that's it due to this. And then a bunch of seconds. So, I mean, maybe that's enough. Maybe they just want to, uh, the Hornets just want to get off Hayward's contract and break him up yeah. into two Which they're probably going to want to. Like, he's yeah. probably, he's, you, you, you're dead on with him probably being on the block. I, it was like I said, I was like, I just don't know if the Nets have the, the firepower. Like, I don't think their, their powder's not dry enough. I don't think after the hard thing for a guy like him, because he'll command some stuff, even with the injuries. Like, mm-hmm. he fits a lot of what other teams would want to do in the playoffs. Okay, so then we're talking about Hayward. Let's just mention, a, I'm going to just run off a whole slew of wings. We don't need to talk about them all, but this relatively kind of player. As I said, Kelly Oubre, a Tim Hardaway Jr., or an Alec Burks, or an Eric Gordon. Then I look at the two teams I'm really looking at are Orlando with Terrence Ross and Gary Harris, and then obviously Utah, who you just got Royce O'Neal from first, who have Bojan Bogdanovic, Malik Beasley, and Jordan Clarkson. So I know I just named off a whole bunch of guys there. Yeah. Um, well, it's clear. I mean, so one thing that's clear for the Nets and like a lot of these teams is the three and D archetype is a guy is a team Essential. that when you're at it was when you're at this level, right? Mm-hmm. When you're at this level of cha- of thinking about the championship and thinking about who is going to be on the court at the end. I was just checking about the Gary Harris thing because I was pretty. I thought he had surgery. Um, he, but uh, just towards yeah, the yeah, 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 the missing miscus. Um, you clearly need this kind of dude on the team at some point, depending on where you are and other teams. This is why these guys tend to get swapped around to the, to good teams. <laughs> like, you know, Jake, like the Jake Crowders of the world, right? It's like, there's a reason Crowder keeps showing up um, on good teams. Cause like they kind of need this exact guy and he's not as important to, if your team is bad um, guys, I didn't love on that list. I mean, the Harris thing with the injury, I wasn't sure about, I don't know if Eric Gordon, they kind of have Eric Gordon types already. I mean, I know he's better on the ball than some of the other guys they have, but if you're just looking for like knockdown space shooters, um, I don't know if they need tons more guys like that. And he's a little small. The Terrence Ross thing I think is interesting. I um, love Terrence Ross. For yeah. Cause he's been a little buried for good reason on the magic for the last couple of years. And he's sort of like salary filler for them. That would be a guy that I could actually see it would help them a little bit to probably have a guy that could dribble. You know, the Nets kind of at some point last year just ran out of guys who could dribble also. <laughs> like they had they had Kyrie and they had Dragic and they he was just completely gassed. And that was kind of it. So if you can do a little off-ball stuff, I mean, obviously Bojan would be a coming home situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I still am convinced. I thought it was for sure he was going to end up in the Lakers, but um, I'm not sure where he's going. Like that one would do. I think he's going to end totally up in fit. Phoenix. For the aforementioned Jay Crowder, Dario Saric, something like that. I think he'd be yeah, like, but he's but those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Those guys, I, I, they're almost all yeses. Are they super exciting? No, but there's a reason that this group of guys kind of gets moved around a lot because when you get to a place where you need to win a championship, 
you are going to have this. Frankly, it's just the guy. The Nets didn't even have a guy like this last year. This is why they lost the Boston series as much as anything. It's not because of Kyrie and it's not because of KD. It's because when it came down to it, they just didn't have a single three and D guy on the entire roster. Like they were playing Patty Mills, who was getting hunted mercilessly. Like they were playing Dragic, who was undersized. Like, you know, Seth Curry was hurt and getting hunted and they had Claxton who couldn't shoot. Um, And then they have Bruce Brown who like did all he could, but it was still just a little too small. And so um, they just, if they just, frankly, if they just had kind of almost just one of the guys you just mentioned on the list, they probably, they wouldn't have gotten swept. I I know that for sure. Um, Maybe they wouldn't have won the series. So I don't know, hierarchy wise, I, I, Bojan was up there for me when you were saying the list. I like the Terrence Ross um, one. I kind of forget who else. I'm I'm thinking if the Nets by the deadline did something along, along the lines of like Joe Harris and like a minimum guy or two, like, let's just say, for argument's sake, let's say Markeith Morris contract's guaranteed. You do Royce O'Neal, Markeith Morris, and probably, maybe you have to give the 2028 first because you're getting two guys back, but Terrence Ross and Gary Harris. I think if you get both of them, uh, I think that would have... My thinking is Orlando's holding out for Ross for years for that first-round pick that they desire. But they yeah. kind of set the precedent when they traded Evan Fournier for two seconds back when they traded into Boston. So maybe if they're getting two guys they would want, or they're trading two guys they would want to first, but let's just say two, three seconds plus Joe Harris for two of those guys. I think that would help the Nets very much. I was actually shocked that Harris didn't get traded last year. Like yeah. I was like, I, I, I thought for sure he was going to move. Like he seemed, I mean, Eric Gordon was kind of like this too, but I thought for sure these were the kind of guys that would get moved. And I think you're right. It's probably because Magic are like, it doesn't kill us to not do it. And we can just hold out till someone just wants it enough, right? Like they don't need to get every asset back for these. Well, guys. now he's an expiring, so now Terrence. Yeah, Ross- well, now right. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, but now the, it, it's all come to roost. Like they need it, it needs to happen. So yeah, I would do that deal. I think um, the Harris thing, like he's just the kind of guy <laughs> that yeah. that these that some of these he fits teams almost need. anywhere. Exactly, exactly. And so um, if you're good, like if you're the magic, he can come off the bench and get buried because they don't really need him to be good. There's, they don't need to develop Gary Harris. And he's actually, in, I mean, I know he tore his meniscus. I sometimes I'm a little encouraged by these guys too because their teams just haven't run them to death over the last couple of years because they haven't needed to play anyone big minutes. And so mm-hmm. they actually, it's like sort of like the Horford situation in OKC. I know he was totally buried, but um, like they just got their miles saved a little bit by being on a bad team. So there is probably a little more in the tank based on how many years they've been in. Yeah, that one interests me. I like that. I like that one. Okay. So now let's move on to basically where we're at for the Nets for this regular season. So I actually did minute projections for each team. Yep. It's assuming they're fully healthy unless it was like already like a Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, he's not going to start the year, something like that. So for this, for purposes of this exercise, Ben Simmons is fully healthy, ready to play everything. I have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving at 34 and 33 minutes, and Ben Simmons at 30. Those are three okay. of the starters. Can I just tell you real quick? I, I actually cool. did this too, so I'll just compare okay. it to mine okay. um, no while problem. we do it. I know you didn't. I was going to say I put you on the spot, so better. Than no, 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 no. I did this. I did this a couple of weeks ago because this is actually what I do for my full time job, which is just project the minutes every day <laughs> uh, for every team. But um, the yeah, I had a 34, 34, 33. But I I can uh, with Durant. Well, Simmons, I, I just figured coming off back surgery. Yes, but, yeah, that, okay. and I went a little more. I went a little more bullish on his health. But anyway, we're in the same okay. range. We're definitely all in the same range there. Okay, Joe Harris is the fourth starter at 28. Yep. Oh, I had 26. Yeah, close. And Nick Claxton, the starting five, I have 26. I had 23. Yeah, okay. I, I went a little lower with him just because 
Um, I was concerned. For, I thought they would probably be incentivized to play a little more small ball. And I do worry about his health being able to, like, he's never really been all that healthy. So mm-hmm. I didn't, um, I was assuming health, but I was assuming like a little bit of a minutes management for him. So anyway, yeah, I agree with the starting five and we're pretty close in the minutes. Okay. So then the two guards off the bench are Patty Mills at 16 minutes and Seth Curry at 20. I had 24 for Curry and 17 for Mills. Um, okay. And that makes but, sense uh, given you have less yeah. for Harris. So, yep. and Harris coming off his ankle, so he's very well could play less and Curry could play more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, right. They, they, right. They, I was doing like almost like a one to one swap uh, on their minutes. Like they were, they were 50, would they share the court a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Um, TJ Warren, who is low key a very sneaky flyer for the Nets this year. Nobody's really yeah. talking about it, but if he is even close to the player that he was, then that's great for a minimum. I have him at 17 just because he hasn't played in a year and a half. I had the exact so, number. Okay. 17 is the exact number for TJ Warren. Royce O'Neal, I put at 22. I think he's going to play some small ball five. Um, 24 and, for 24. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then Dayron Sharp, I have the last guy in the rotation at 14. Um, yeah, we were pretty close. I'm glad you mentioned TJ Warren, by the way, because um, I just for one second on that, like that could easily look like the best value signing of the entire offseason. And it I wouldn't agree. even be close. Like if he's 75% of what he was in that, like during the bubble, like that contract is going to look so dumb. Um, on the good side for the Nets. Um, they're just like, he's just, he's got so many injury issues that it's hard to be super bullish. Um, yeah, I was right with you. We're very, very close. I actually didn't add Dayron. I actually just had this group of Markeith, Cam, Thomas, and Sharp as like the final eight minutes of okay. 240. No Kessler Nah, I think he's kind of buried. I don't think he's okay. seen, I don't think we saw enough. I mean, um, I didn't have him either, so. But yeah, so I, I kind of like eight. I gave it was because because the where I had it I have 232 of the 240 of the 232 minutes I had eight left over for mm-hmm. sharp cam Markeith, um and like who like whatever like whatever table scraps get left in there and so um I think we're pretty much on the same page I think that I'm just not as I'm just not as high on sharp um but I can see why other people would would be uh, I just. I just think he's like just still got too many sort of like raw problems with his game. I think that like it could get end up getting there. Um, he's such a foul box too, but like it's hard to even think about it. But um, yeah, I think we're like I, I mean we're really close to being on the same page here. I think that's very like pretty close to being in the line. Okay, so then just be before we finish up, what's the what's your I I don't know what's the Vegas over and under now. I know it wasn't up for a while for the Nets overall wins. I could look it up if we don't know it. Pretty sure it was 52 and a half, but I'll look real quick. Um okay. but I'm I'm almost positive. It was it was off it was off books. It was for, off for a while during Kevin Durant. Exactly. Um I I was gonna say I'm pulling not it up great podcast. Um yeah, it was 50, 50 and a half, 50 and a half. Okay. What's your projection? What's your prediction? Do you have one or does 15 and a half sound about right? It, it, as we talked about, it could go either one way or it could go the other. It's really not going to go in the middle. Okay. So, that's so why- I think my fandom wants to say over because I want everything to be great. And that would be awesome. And like, if, like, if we just, if these minute projections that we just did played out, this is so far on the over, even mm-hmm. if the fit isn't perfect, like the fit doesn't even need to be perfect with these guys. And if that's your minutes projection for your team and there's relative health, it's easily over. Like I, it's just, it's not close. It's like a 56 and a half win team or something like that. Maybe higher. Like people uh, I'm, like to go back to the beginning, people underrate the talent because the other stuff gets clouds, the vision, right? Yeah. Like it just, it, that's just the case when you, if you have full health, 
around these guys, around what we even saw for them in the recent years, 50 and a half is a joke. I do think that I going back and looking at the minutes, I, I think that they can probably withstand injuries a little better than they could last season. Like last season, it was Harden was dust. Kyrie was MIA. And then Durant got hurt and the team was terrible yeah. after that. They're not exactly in that situation. Like they are in a little bit of a better situation this season in terms of just relative depth. They had no real depth last year. All the guys they signed ended up just were total pumpkins and it just like didn't work. That is not as big of a problem this season, even if it goes wrong for these other players. This is, I will say though, I do think because of, I do think there are narratives that can send this careening off a cliff quicker. So it's really, this is why it's harder to bet the over for them because it gets off to a bad start. There's Kyrie one wants to sit out for whatever reason. Exactly. There's an stopped. injury and now both guys request trades. Like, I don't know. Like there's just word. like there's the Simmons back thing doesn't take and he gets, and, and, it, and he's mentally all not there. Right. I'm just, yeah. this is stuff that happened. Like there's too many other pieces to this puzzle there's one scenario where it all works out and they go over and there's like five scenarios where they can hit the under. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and I think if you just look at it that way, it's just too risky to take the over. I do think 50 and a half is correct though, because uh, like they can withstand some of the stuff that they couldn't withstand last season. So the number strikes me around is correct. I was so high on their over last year that like, I was a bit, one of my big, that was my biggest bet of the year all last year was the over on the wins. I mean, it was, it, it got turned to dust pretty quickly um, with all the stuff, but I was so confident with that. And I stand by it because the talent was so overwhelming, but we just have too many examples where this narratively can go off the rails. And if the second Kevin Durant asked for a trade like mid season, cause it's going bad, like there's no chance they hit the over. Right. So, and there's just too many, and there's just a few too many situations like that for them. And there's a lot of teams that are really contending this year. Like, I know Utah yeah. sold out. San Antonio wasn't contending, but they really bottomed out. And now Denver's healthy. The Pelicans get Zion back. The Clippers are healthy. Boston. The East got better. Like, Boston, the East yeah, the got East better. got better. Miami yeah. might be the only team that got worse just because I don't know how they're going to yeah. address the loss of P.J. Tucker. But them but aside. they're not going to be bad. Like, yeah, not no, gonna they're not going to be bad by any team. means. And now you have right. Cleveland. I mean. This is like the hardest time ever to win an NBA championship, in my opinion. Yeah. And like, even the Knicks are going to be trying, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, they're, you know, they bring in Brunson. They made some little sneaky kind of good signings. I don't like everything they did, but they're going to at least try. And like, if you just go up and down the list of the East, just frankly, just even one move, like sending Donovan Mitchell from the, from the West to the East, just that alone, like moves, yeah. like tips the balance a little bit, just because you have to play those teams more. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like it, the, the road is a little bit tougher here. Um, I kind of like Chicago to kind of take a step back. Uh, among oh that yeah. Group. So, I like, agree with that. Especially like, if Lonzo see... Ball's knee. Yeah, exactly. Like they kind of ran a little hot. Like they had a negative point differential. They had a negative um, differential last year. Like they, shouldn't have had as many wins. So I could see them taking a step back, but I, in general, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like the, the East is just completely stacked. And Chris Middleton's healthy now. I know he was yep. healthy during the season, but who knows? Maybe they would have been the ones trying to repeat in the championship. Had he, um, they took Boston to seven without him. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. And of course, Atlanta, I'm just going to mention them. They added DeJounte Murray. So okay. it's always, it's always just harder with these teams. Like one thing that you can always count on, those teams, 
it matters if the teams are going to try. There's more teams not trying in the West, right? Like they have, there's just a few more Houston, OKC, uh, San Antonio is going to tank. Like there's just, the Kings are just always a mess, even though they're going to be, I guess they're going to be trying. They're, they're but, definitely um, trying. Yeah, right. So that was a bad example. I'm just used to them being in the lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, the Utah, like, OKC. Okay, well, sorry, that's the other one. Utah is not trying. Like you just have four teams that don't want to win a single game this year. Mm-hmm. And you just don't have four teams like that in the East. And so mm-hmm. just that math alone is going to make, it just makes the Nets road pretty tough. Their beginning of the season schedule is tough too. The first five games are against uh or and it doesn't matter in general for their over under. I just get a little worried for everyone's sanity where they have to play yeah. like a kind of a tough schedule to start the season. And it maybe doesn't go great for the first five. Okay. So everyone can follow me on Twitter at bird rights pod. You can follow Doug. Doug, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah. You can follow Doug Nori. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Just my name on of Twitter. Course. Um, that's all good. Um, yeah, you can plug all your stuff. It's all good. Even Doug Nori on Twitter. If you want to give it a follow, just trying to tweet, funny stuff about the Nets during the year. So that's my main life goal. And they're giving you some content, some funny stuff to tweet about recently. So yeah. Oh yeah. That's a never ending on that. From the content perspective, this team has been the best choice ever to do a podcast about. So, mm-hmm. okay. So this was our sixth team preview. We still have 24 to go. So we're going to chug along, but yeah. So Doug, thank you so much for coming on. Yep. As I said, you guys could follow me at Bird Rights Pod. Go buy the Fantasy Pass, the premium at sportsethos.com. And I will talk to you guys next episode. He probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free I agency. I think he could have got a lot more in the offseason. Oh. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got a CGA, you man. No question. Yeah.